pathway, we are not allowed to move just one meter away from the concept. Everything must be under circular economy concept. That is the key part of all the projects that we have been developing right now. Welcome to RAS Talk, the podcast on recirculating aquaculture systems and sustainable food production. Brought to you by RASTAC Magazine, the premier publication for recirculating aquaculture systems professionals. This episode is sponsored by OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Jean Coden, and I'm the editor of Hatchery International and RASTAC Magazine. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Vinci, the director of the Freshwater Institute. Brian, who do we have on our episode today? Today we have Miguel Portis. Uh, Miguel is the managing director uh, slash CEO of Lago Sofia Circular Food in Puerto Montt, Chile. I think that's where they're headquartered. Uh, he's actually based down in the 10th region of Chile. I've known Miguel for quite a few years. He's been an early adopter of recirculation aquaculture technologies and uh, one of the, the big proponents of RAS in Chile. Um, Chile is actually a, a relatively early adopter of RAS technologies for smalt hatcheries and producing smalt that will then go out into the net pens for full grow out. I remember I traveled down there, oh, probably 10, 12 years ago, and they were in the midst of a disease outbreak in the net pens. And, and part of it had to do with the smolts going out having disease issues. And so they were converting quite a few of their salmon smolt facilities from flow through and cereal reuse to full recirculation. And uh, it was it was a pretty heavy, you know, full change from that kind of uh, technology for smolts to the recirculation technology. Yeah, I'm excited for the listeners to listen to our conversation because I liked how he talked a lot about circular economy and um, how conscious Lago Sofia is as a company on how they're not just not just through their recirculating water, but the different raw materials that they consume. Um, I, I don't want to say too much because I want to have the listeners listen for themselves, but uh, let's get into the interview, shall we? Sounds good. I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Here is the RAS Talk podcast with Miguel Portis. Welcome, Miguel. Thank you for being a part of our podcast today. I'd like to start with Lago Sofia and what Lago Sofia calls circular food. Can you give us a little bit of an introduction about that? Yeah, thank you to invite me to share our experience here in Lago Sofia in the south of Chile. Lago Sofia is, a, is, a, is part of a family business group. Lago Sofia is a small project production unit, but uh, also we have uh, uh, Water, who is uh, mainly focused on rentals and technology. Uh, we also have Lago Sarmiento, which uh, mainly focuses on real estate and properties. And we, we also have this uh, very ambitious project for this uh, company, which is uh, Blue Gardens, based in the United States, in the state of Virginia. We are in the level of uh, real estate right now. And, uh, well, actually, we wanted to be faster, but uh, some things happen in Chile, you know, and, and in the rest of the world, like pandemia and some other very interesting social changes and challenges uh, and probably that issues or that kind of issues delay a little bit. But uh, anyway, Lago Sofia is a small production unit who is a very interesting way of producing smolts. I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, with uh, this kind of facilities. 
in a way we rent the production of different stages in this facility we rent the space uh, to produce smalls so we have two different customers here uh, we produce smalls for uh, Cermac and also for Aqua Chile that is an agro super company we are delivering to the ocean more or less 15 million smalls per year between 130 and 170 grams each uh, every year. So um, the good thing here is 10 years ago, we decided to go directly to a different technology with an individual uh, recirculation system. In a way, this gives us the insurance to be more secure in biosecurity, or we put a, a very high standard on the health status of each tank. And this means that every tank has its own biofilter. It, this is a mix of uh, a moving bed and a packaged biomedia that we use as a, a mechanical filtration. It's a very complex uh, unit of different integrations like degassing uh, towers from Panthers, um, uh, different kinds of pumps of different kinds of suppliers. We have our own design of uh, biofiltration. Um, the tank is a commodity and also all the piping and all that, that stuff is a commodity. So, so we decided to use uh, this technology for service mainly not for an integrated companies. We like to say that if we have 30 tanks, we have 30 hatcheries. So that is more or less what we have in Lago Sofia. That's very interesting. And we'll get into the technicals of the facility a little bit later with Brian, um, but I wanted to kind of ask you about the concept that Lago Sofia is um, centered on, which is circular food. Can you explain that a little bit more? We are trying to trying to give the business uh, a different uh, way of uh, uh, treat the uh, wasting water or the residuals and all the you know external products like uh, plastics or papers or glass and and also water so transformation is a a, a very important issue so we decide that well what we can do if we are using a lot of different raw materials and different supplies and uh, how we can uh, manage and deal to transform this kind of residues, uh, right? So what we are doing is, is a kind of collection with different companies. Uh, we collect all these uh, uh, different products and we try to transform them in different uh, products again. For instance, a, a plastic from piping, we're using it for produce pallets. Um, wood from pallets, from feed pallets, uh, we use to produce different um, uh, furniture and things like that. And uh, we collect them and, and give it into different organizations of people here in the community. And, and they, they use it to produce another product. So, so we transform all, all these wasting uh, materials to try to avoid, you know, the carbon emissions, to try to avoid fleets and to try to avoid the final disposal. So those are mainly the, 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 the small things. The, the big thing here is we use just a lack of water. We, we are trying to uh, recirculate almost 98% of the water that, you use, that we use every day. So what happened with the other 2% of water that is, uh, is still being a good amount of water to produce vegetables, we decided to, to install this uh, greenhouse and use this water to produce hydroponic waste. More than in, a, in an hydroponic, it's a, it's a mix between hydroponic and aquaponic because we use we still use the, 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 the wastewater, which just like it is in, in the system, and we mix it with some uh, products to reach the, the mix of water and use it in, in this greenhouse. So uh, 
we are trying to, to do this to install the concept of transformation or uh, circular economy in the process of smog production. Wow, that sounds like there's a lot of initiatives there where you're transforming or reusing not just the water in your recirculating system, but a lot of different raw materials. And this was what really stood out to me when I was researching with about Lago Sofia and the idea of circular food, because um, more and more now we talk about circular economy, not just in the industry, but sort of in the larger um, public conversation. More consumers are aware of this as well when um you see a lot of zero waste initiatives and reusing recycling programs and all of that. Uh, from the Lago Sofia perspective, how are you marketing your products to kind of teach the consumer about all of these eco-conscious initiatives and like, are people willing to pay more for an aquaponics fish? Well, actually, this is not an aquaponic fish as it is, right? But this transformation process is uh, is very hard to install. New concepts are very very hard and very probably sometimes very difficult to install in customers more than consumers, right? Um, in Lago Sofia, we are part of the whole cycle of of, uh, of the supply chain. We are not fully integrated. We have to first convince and and demonstrate to customers that this is uh, a very good way to install a high level of sustainable indicators in their figures, right? The concept is, well, let's try to do a di in a different way the efforts to support or to give these customers uh, support in these issues, in this part of the production that they are not seeing and that we finally saw five years ago. And we decided to go in a different direction than the rest of the industry, probably because we have seen how it works in different places. We have seen how it works in, in the United States, how it works in Europe, how, how people are doing it. And I try to, you know, to move to this direction. So in transformation process, everything is tough. Everything is hard. Probably everything is, is slow, but we are uh, fully, you know, convinced that that is the direction. That's uh, really interesting, uh, Miguel. And it's uh, great to have you on the podcast. I think it'd be good um, to have you explain a little bit about the parent company, because you mentioned um, you know, recycling and reusing some of these materials into pallets and, and other things. And so it, it sounds like you're only able to do that because the parent company has um, more than one division, or am I uh, getting that incorrect? You know, every day we are trying to find new partners or new uh, um, companies who are willing to receive materials to reuse, to recycle, or to give these materials a new life. So this is not because we have some other companies we are trying to do with some external companies. So in, in, in that direction, we, we, we have a very you know, strong view on, well, how to collect these companies who fulfill all our expectations on uh, recycling and you know, reuse or transformation or whatever. So you're building a model that you might be able to reuse in the yeah. US or other places. How do you feel about that reuse at this point? Is it at the point where you are happy with the percent of the recycle rate or is there, or is there still so much more to go? You mentioned it's low at this point, but I mean, what's your sense of how much additional uh, recycling of the inputs and outputs you can do? Yeah, we have a full potential. Um, I don't see which is the limit. 
in these matters. But for sure, we're just reaching 15% of the total amount of materials that we can reuse or transform. So uh, we can work uh, hard uh, with some of our partners on do uh, a better job, but uh, but it seems that we have uh, you know uh, a long way to do it, um, and and we we still have a, a lot of different materials that that, that are not necessarily reused uh, today as it should be, but uh, technology and, and new ways are there, and it just the way and the, the moment to use it uh, at this time. We we know we have at least 50% of the, the total capacity of, of uh, recycling here in, in the south of Chile, but uh, we can collect this and, and send it to the capital and see what happened, uh, investing in, in different uh, products. So um, we have a lot of potential here. It makes me think of the insect protein businesses where they are co-locating with production facilities that have a waste product that the uh, black soldier fly larva can yeah. can uh, can use, and then they can grow the biomass. I I don't know enough about that industry to say if it, if it stands alone, but I have talked with those folks a few times, and they're always very keen to co-locate so they can use the waste from one as the input to their facility. Um, let's quickly uh, talk a little bit about the technical details you have at Lago Sofia. Thanks for that initial introduction about it being a rented smolt production facility producing 15 million smolt um, in the 130 to 170 gram range. I've seen the pictures of it, uh, nice large tanks with these uh, unique domes over them. How many smolt does each one of those independent RAS produce? Well, each cycle of, uh, of um, smolt can produce in a tank more than 23 tons of each. Per batch, this this is uh, more or less hundred and fifty thousand feet, with a with a final density of 75, 80 kilos per cubic meter. We have installed already seven thousand and four hundred cubic meters of capacity to produce this feed. Each tank is, is how many cubic meters? Three hundred cubic meters. We have twenty two tanks of three hundred cubic meters and eight tanks of hundred cubic meters. So that's a significant capacity. Miguel, can you explain the logic that took you to have independent recirculating systems as opposed to having multiple tanks on one recirculating system? Was it purely a risk analysis or was there other factors involved? Well, from the beginning of the, of the idea, from the early beginning of the company, the owners decided that, that they wanted to, to be fully orientated to service. So in that direction, the, the risk analysis was the main, the main factor. So in terms of biosecurity, in terms of risk of fails or, or different ways of modular production, individual concept is very good. It's very comfortable. Customers probably uh, haven't seen any issue because if you have something wrong in, in part of your system, it's just concentrated in one unit and not in the other 29. So in a way, the, the first, I think, idea of be fully concentrated in, in a service uh, business that, than in an integrated system. Yeah, I think that was part of the idea. That makes sense that you would want to be able to offer customers, uh, you know, independent and, and separated uh, fish yeah. uh, production system from, from say, your uh, Cermax fish or uh, Aqua Chili's fish. 
mentioned just then you have 29 systems. So what's the total number of uh, people working there? Um, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, are more or less 35 people all work directly with the fish and the maintenance and everything. When was the facility started construction and then completed in construction? And if you, if you don't mind, if you could say how much you were uh, invested in the facility and capital expense? Well, <laughs> actually the facility was a very old facility in Chile. The main uh, benefit we have here is the water. We have a lot of different water origins here. We have well water and spring water, and uh, it was hidden <laughs> for the industry for a long time. And the family owner of the facility found this place, who is very close to the, to the city, to the main city in the tent region. I think it's uh, 12 kilometers far south of the of the central of the downtown. So we are we are close to the city, close to the headquarters of the of the some companies. This was a very old hatchery that we reset. Four years ago, uh, we started to do, you know, a very ambitious program of uh, raising the, the capacity. We, we moved from 3,000 uh, cubic meters to 7.4 thousand cubic meters of installed capacity. We raised the amount of feet from 3 million smalls a year to 15 million smalls a year. I think the, the last four years were the, the highest investment in this company or in this unit. Miguel, you mentioned the fish that you produce out of Lago Sofia are 130 to 170 grams, and that's a pretty good-sized Atlantic salmon smolt. I assume you're doing Atlantic salmon. Mm. Uh, cor correct me if I'm wrong. But have your uh, renters or your, your clients, have they given any thought to larger pull smolt like they are in Norway? You know, we work over in Norway a bit, and we've heard of uh, pull smolt RAS facilities producing fish that are more in the 500 gram size? Hmm. Well, we, we have been evaluating all the, the new weights, right? Post molds and or bigger, bigger smolts are well known these days. And uh, customers are asking to produce bigger fish to reduce risk in the ocean and, and to, to be more efficient there. So in a system like this, it's quite easy to improve the, the average weight of, of the final product and, and probably you will see that it's not that difficult to produce a uh, fish of 250 grams or fish of 300 grams. Actually, we have been doing in a while uh, for a customer two years ago. So the key thing here is how to manage or deal with salt water, willing to use salt water from, uh, from the shore or if we, we have to do the mix or if the, if the industry or the market are willing to pay a product like that. I think we, we have the chance to do it. We, we have the facility already set to deliver a bigger fish. There's no problem to do that. Miguel, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the land-based project that you mentioned in Virginia. Um, I think yeah. you called it Blue Gardens. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. Well, this is, <laughs> as I said, this, this is a very ambitious project. We said Again, we define that the, 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 the concept is, is not to produce a massive volume of fish. We wanted to produce just a small amount of fish that can be installed in a, in a community in the, in the States, in the, in the East Coast of the, of the United States. You, you have more than 22, 25 million people. So we are very close to the local food concept. So in that stage, we, if we can use the same concept we have here to produce 
in, in different individual units um, uh, fetch for the local uh, market with no you know big uh, distances to, to go to the final uh, destination will be great, right? Every time you have lockdowns, uh, that, that this is a new wave, right? Every, every time you have uh, locked your, your limits or your, your frontiers or whatever, you have your feature already just beside your house. So in a way, local food and, um, you know, aquaponics, for instance, can be a very good solution for a small community, for a, for a small town. So we are allowed to, to do the same thing in different places. Uh, we, we can do this in, in, in different states or in different countries. And, and we decided that the United States is more familiar for us. Uh, there is a huge market who is growing. They, they know about fish. They know about salmon. Uh, they know about Chilean salmon. And uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity for us. Oh, I wanted to ask about uh, Blue Gardens on the greenhouse side. What will you be growing on the greenhouse side? Oh, uh, yeah, I more or less linked to tomatoes and, and, and lettuce, probably. All leafy greens and all that stuff. Uh, you mentioned it um, a little bit earlier as well, talking about the supply disruptions that have been triggered by the pandemic, but also the fuel increases from the war in Ukraine. Uh, how much has Lago Sofia been um, feeling that strain? Well, we, we we have been affected, same as the rest of the world, with the, the whole thing. Right? Uh, uh, high prices in energy, high prices in fuel, um, high prices in imports very slow uh, process of imports. So uh, yeah, we have been affected in, in all the stuff, the same as the rest of the world, I guess. We are trying to manage these tough times with helping our customers, with, but also with, with their help too. We, we, we are trying to redefine our time to build a new facility, um, a new hatchery. And um, we are trying to put everything in order in, in the next two years. Uh, I guess new projects are not going to be that fast as we, we wanted to do. For you, has it really emphasized like the circular concept that Lago Sofia is all about, um, especially with these chain shortages and disruptions? Yeah, actually we are not allowed to move just one meter away from the concept. Everything must be under circular economy concept. That is the, the key part of all the projects that we have been developing right now. Miguel, I was wondering if you would be uh, willing to comment on land-based in Chile in general. Um, you know, Chile is one of the world's largest salmon farmers. I think uh, AgroSuper uh, is the fifth largest salmon producer in the world uh, last year. Um, and there are smolt wrasse throughout Chile, but what about other uh, land-based recirculation facilities that are producing uh, full uh, harvest size Atlantic salmon on land? Well, there are a lot of different projects to, to do that here, but I guess there is just one producing uh, Chinook salmon in the 10th region also, probably less than 200 uh, tons of fish a year. But I, I think they wanted to grow and they are doing very good, a very good job on that. I know there are two different uh, projects, but only in the paper. Mm -hmm. um, they have the permits, they have, uh, they have the water, they have the place, but uh, they're not uh, building nothing these days. But I guess a land-based project to produce Atlantic salmon or coho salmon or trout or whatever to commercial size must be installed in the market. I mean, in the States, in Brazil, in places where uh, consumption is very high. In Chile, 
is amazing, but we don't have the culture of seafood as much as you have in States. So our principal market, our main market is United States and uh, Japan, for instance, but Brazil also. So um, I guess a land-based project should be installed there. <laughs> if you want to reduce your emissions or if you want to save some carbon emissions, uh, you don't need to produce it in here. Um, you have to be close to your market. I would agree. And uh, of course, you mentioned Brazil, and Brazil is an important emerging market for uh, seafood, especially salmon consumption. Yeah. So, so that is close to you while within the same uh, continent, I suppose. Um, it, it, it often makes me wonder when I see announcements in Norway about land-based projects that are producing full-cycle Atlantic salmon on land, you know, why they're doing that in Norway when they could potentially do it closer to the market. But I guess in Norway and Europe, there is a large seafood market that they're serving there um, as well. So, so that sounds like a little bit of your logic for the Blue Gardens project coming to the U.S., that you're meeting the market where it is. How long do you think it'll be before the Blue Gardens project actually starts uh, in earnest in development, meaning uh, permitting? Mm, it's a very interesting question, Brian. Um, it's a very good one. <laughs> Actually, we wanted to be there two years ago, but uh, we, we, we set a new uh, direction uh, on the project. We wanted to, to do in a very good way. So from the beginning of the idea, uh, we decided to collect all the knowledge, uh, the right people, the best way to do it, um, the best practices and the new vision uh, is if we have to do it uh, slowly, must be perfect. So uh, I hope next year we have news on this. Uh, I hope next year we, we can do something like being installing our facility in the United States. I, I guess this uh, two years was very good to collect a lot of different experiences from, from other companies, a lot of different, you know, visions from key people. So, uh, yeah, we are collecting a lot of knowledge on how to do it. Well, let's see if we can do something next year. Right. You mentioned seeing how other projects are doing and gathering information from key people. And there are a few projects in the U.S. that we've discussed on the podcast in the past that, Mm. Um, are making progress, uh, Atlantic Sapphire, and, and some that are, you know, kind of being held up or, or questioned in various localities and in, um, in Maine or in, in other places. Um, so, you know, site selection is critical. And I know that my discussions with you, you guys have thought that through and, and uh, you mentioned getting the right people and, and, and having the, the perfect team and um, I'm encouraged about your prospects just because you have quite a bit of experience and operational knowledge from the project Lago Sofia in Chile. Uh, it's very successful, you know, land-based uh, small production already. So I think that's very encouraging uh, for moving forward in the U.S. So uh, we look forward to, to seeing you here and, um, and we'll stay in touch uh, and to hear how the project is progressing. Jean? Yeah, um, I agree with Brian completely. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and we'll watch Blue Gardens and Lago Sofia closely as you guys progress and hopefully we'll see more from you. Thank you, Miguel. Thank you. And that's it for our episode. Um, aquaponics is such a complex system and it's something we've explored in previous episodes too with Traders Hill Farm and Tracy Nazaro. Um, Brian, can you speak a little bit about the pros and cons of going the aquaponics route? Yeah, absolutely. And 
Miguel spoke about the aquaponics being a way for them to create the circular economy from their operations. And I think it was more of taking whatever they could possibly take as the outputs from their facility for salmon smolts and then reusing them to the best of their abilities. You know, he mentioned 50% potentially now or, or in growing uh, to full potential. Um, and in general, that's the way we see the larger aquaponics operations going, which is taking the output from the fish, the nutrients, nitrogen and phosphorus, um, mineralizing them and creating a separate loop or a decoupled loop for the uh, uh, hydroponics or the ponics side of the aquaponics operation. Now, Tra Tracy at Traders Hill uh, had a coupled system which more closely integrates the fish waste and the plants. And in those systems, as we mentioned on that episode, there's a slight mismatch between how much nutrients the fish will produce and um, the associated growing area for the plants, meaning that uh, the fish will produce a lot of nutrients and you would have to have this really massive growing area to fully utilize them. I think the ratio is like... Um, I'd say 10 to one, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big ratio, but some facilities take advantage of that, like Superior Fresh, they have uh, in their expansion, I think they're up to 10 acres of uh, greenhouse growing um, leafy greens and uh, their fish side uh, did expand, I think up to 700 tons. Um, Upward Farms, which I'm the least familiar with of all the aquaponics operations in the U.S., um, their pilot is, I think, in Brooklyn, and they're building their expansion in Pennsylvania. Uh, I think they also have a decoupled system, so they, you know, they the, they can supplement the nitrogen and phosphorus from the fish with any micronutrients like potassium and iron and things like that on the on the ponic side, so they get exactly the right nutrient growing solution on the ponic side. Um, so, uh, in Miguel's case, I think they're just doing it, that where they're trying to take all the nutrients they can and reuse them. And, and that might mean this huge growing area, um, uh, for a true circular economy. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll see what, um, Lago Sofia and Blue, Gar Blue Gardens will, um, how they will progress in the next couple of years. Um, but for now, this is the end of the episode. That's all folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, our show notes with links, photos, and more extras can be found on our website, rastechmagazine.com slash podcast. That's R-A-S-T-E-C-H magazine, all in one word, dot com slash podcast. If you want to support us, please consider sharing this episode with your network and on social media. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a new episode. Thank you to our sponsor, OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Thanks for listening and see you next time.